Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he's not a place, he's a people. It's Arturo Zurita. What's up, guys? How you guys doing? You all know, uh, if you saw the latest store, that line right there, it doesn't matter where you come from, what matters is where you're going. So, uh, with that... We got some movie news to talk about today. We got some uh, yeah. what to see, all the, all the all the good stuff that we do for you here on the Intercut Podcast. Yeah, it's a great day to be with us. We'll be talking movie news, some box office stuff, letting you know what we've been watching. Uh, that's what we do first here on the show, so let's get right into it. Art, what have you been watching this weekend? Like I said, dude, if you're not watching this movie, I don't know what else to tell you. See, there's uh, people who are all about superheroes and they don't watch that indie stuff. And then there are people who just watch the indie stuff and they don't watch the superheroes. Well, let me tell you something. Maybe you end up grabbing some superhero stuff and you bring in some indie stuff like a Taika Waititi. Hmm. He's a good director. Have you seen this his stuff? Sounds, this sounds appealing to uh, me. The Tell boy? me more. Man's got, a, man's got a movie called Shark vs. Lava Girl. Something like the Shark vs. Something. I haven't seen that one. He's got Shark another vs. Eagle. There you go. He's got a movie called The Boy, not the bad one with the chick from The Walking Dead. He's got What We Do in the Shadows, one of the best comedies. Hysterical. Ever. Mockumentary that it is. Uh, just literally the, uh, the GoFundMe or the Kickstarter for... What we do in the shadows is better than a lot of the comedies that you see out there. <laughs> so, of course, I was excited to see this. Like, it, it's the best of, best of both worlds. I loved it. It's fantastic. Everyone knows Thor is boring. If anyone is telling you, I miss the old Thor, I'm going to tell you something. Thor don't miss the old Thor. They made this movie because Chris Hemsworth said he was sick and tired of Thor. You can search that up yourself. Anyone's arguing with you, they're like, no, nah, you don't know anything if you like the third Thor movie. It's it's a departure from what he was supposed to be. Kevin Feige, owner of Marvel, practically. <laughs> Thor, uh, Thor himself, Chris Hemsworth. Don't argue he, with us on the comments uh, on that one. <laughs> and the last two directors have practically told you, the guy who did the last Thor said that he felt like he was in a chokehold. Yeah. But you liked the movie. Okay. No, they came in here. Chris Hemsworth said he was sick and tired of playing this character because he thought he was he was just his his words, he felt he was handcuffed. They come in here, they bring your boy Taika Watiti, who says, The only thing I care about is making Thor the coolest superhero night. Thor <laughs> is the coolest superhero now. I don't know how else to tell you this. Thor was wasn't even on the list. When you talk about your favorite superheroes, for me it was like he's good looking. He ain't on yeah. the list. Yeah, I think a lot of the appeal for most people with the first two Thor movies uh, was a lot more on Chris Hemsworth mu Hemsworth's muscles than necessarily the movie itself. Oh, and it still uh, there is. There are but... some people who who really do dig the the movies, but I sure. think the majority majority of Marvel fans uh, preferred the other movies that were coming out of the recent MCU slate. Yep. Thought the, these movies were a little bit stiff, a little bit too reliant on some of this myth mythology and sort of like grandioseness. And uh, for me, at least, I know with the first two movies, the parts that I really responded to is when it would break through that and, and give you those little bits of humor. When he, yeah. uh, in the first movie, shows up at the diner, likes the, the drink, says another and slams, slams it down. Slams it, yeah. Uh, so this movie, Thor Ragnarok the Third, in the Thor series, just specifically away from the most of the rest of the Avengers. Yeah, uh, it, it definitely dives much more firmly into that territory. It's the biggest movie that director Taika Waititi's ever done. Uh, I think Hunt for the Wilder People. It's probably like a couple million dollar movie as opposed to this biggest hundred million dollars yeah. something. Yeah, big jump. It's a big jump for him, but it, like he, it seems like his sense of humor uh, really is a great match for yes. this kind of stuff. He he seems to be great at. 
undercutting the the uh, pomposity of this this world. Yes. How how extravagant a lot of the scenarios are. He he, you know, there'll be a bit of a an epic battle, and then when it's getting kind of dizzy, he can undercut that with a joke. So did you watch it? Um, I haven't seen it. I've just seen trailers oh, and dude, stuff. I'm, I'm just going off of reviews and stuff. I'm, dude, I'm bouncing off of you. Exactly what you said, 1,000%. Deadpool has a comedy to it. You know, that fourth wall-breaking, very crude humor. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Guardians of the Galaxy also has uh, a very absurdist comedy, I would say. And I enjoyed it as well. Yeah. My favorite comedy style is that buddy riffing off of each other, that improv waiting to see who breaks first, that is the comedy style I like, and that mm-hmm. is what is in this movie. I heard someone calling it lazy. Hmm. It is not lazy. What you said about Taika Waititi coming in and taking what is, we know is a manufactured big studio project, Josh Whedon went out, did his whole thing. Now he's with DC because he's like, no, they don't. They kill it in post-production. And they do. You know, they they take your thing. If you guys remember the last Avengers when, uh, or the last, yeah, Ultron, when Captain America says Avengers, and then you know the last, next line is assemble. He purposely had him ne- not say that word because he said, I want it to end there. And if I have him say the word, someone in post is going to make sure that it gets cut afterwards. So he just didn't do it. It's like, yeah. bro. It's like we're undermining people just trying to get something done. This movie is 90% improv, according to them. And let me tell you why it works. Because it feels so authentic when you're watching a big Hollywood blockbuster movie and it feels like an SNL sketch. There are literal (laughs) scenes, and they're out there like they've already been released, where Thor and the Hulk are just riffing at each other, and it really is just Chris Hemsworth and Mark Ruffalo, and they're saying things to each other until one of them breaks. And they keep the part where one of them breaks character before they cut to the next scene. I think that adds so much authenticity to it. It actually feels like a real movie. It actually feels like they're having fun with it, and it's one of the reasons why it's in my top three. Yeah, that, top uh, three. Wow. I mean, that sounds great, and it sounds like the like a layer of texture that you don't necessarily get with a lot of these very s- not real superhero feeling movies. Yes. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it, so I am uh, curious. I, I'm glad you made that distinction between the different types of comedy you get because there is. we are getting more of these superhero comedies, and Deadpool yeah. kind of is like the the big example of that. But it does feel like you're getting a different tone here in Thor Ragnarok, uh, and I like I'm the- curious. I'm curious to you, you know, uh, you bring up Hulk, you bring up Mark Ruffalo being in the film. He's been one of the, I- I'm going to just say underserved <laughs> members of the Avengers, considering how big of a star Mark Ruffalo is, yeah. how how big of a character the Hulk is, that he hasn't gotten his own spin-off movie. And here he's really uh, a key player, the way that Black Widow was a key player in the Captain America Civil War movie. Uh, how did you like Mark Ruffalo's uh, addition to, to the Thor Ragnarok ensemble? Uh, he was great. He, if it wasn't for him, I don't know how well they could have riffed together because those were my favorite scenes when I was talking about the comedy. It's, I'm not going to say that the jokes were like the funniest ever. Some I did legitimately think they were funny. Mm-hmm. It's seeing how much fun they're having that makes it fun. It makes yeah. you smile, right? It's not a yeah. fabricated joke. One of the things that Taika Waititi has said in every single scene or like most of his interviews is that they write the joke a year ago. 
then when it's time to film it, when it's time to release, the joke is so old and stale. You know what can't get stale? Two people riffing on each other, and that's where Mark Ruffalo like truly comes in. Yeah, the uh, energy of that. Yes. As you know, I don't know how much you know about the whole Universal deal. They're not allowed to make another... They can't make an independent uh, Hulk movie yeah. because of the whole Universal whatever. So he's literally never had one because the only one that they had for the MCU was the one with Ed Norton. So they kind of like asked him, what story do you want to see? And he told them, this is the story I want. Okay, <laughs> we can't have it in your own movie. How about we split it into three different collaborative movies? This being the first one, I believe, Infinity Wars being the second one, and whatever's going to be the third one, that's going to be his Wars story. Too. Yeah, so it's all going to be telling his story. This one tells a big part of his story and how he's dealing with the Hulk and yada, yada, yada. So the next two, it's kind of like a sideways to be like, oh, Universal. And he said it. There's a video out there. He says, suck it, Universal. Now we're gonna, <laughs> we can make our own independent movie and you don't even realize it. Then he's like, right. we're probably going to get sued. But um, he, I don't, you don't realize how funny the guy is. Yeah. No, he's got great comedic timing. Uh, I think it's like even movies like The Kids Are All, all Right mm-hmm. or even spotlight he has moments where he kind of can make you crack up a little bit so it's good to see him uh getting the shine in a taika waititi role oh cape blanchett comes yeah please let's talk about her i never knew cape blanchett was that hot i don't i just i have (laughs) to express when she comes out she looks i know she's supposed to be like a bad person whatever and Maybe that's not what we're supposed to focus on. Great actress. She she really took the villain. First female villain, Marvel villain. Great. How is she so... I have never thought she was that attractive in her slim suit, whatever. What, just her walk. And she knows it, too. She walks, like, so seductively. I would have... Because she acts like Khaleesi. I would have just bend the knee. That's all she wants. I was like, whatever you need. <laughs> she, was, she was great. 10 out of 10 for her alone. Where do you put her on the uh, pantheon of, of Marvel villains? Because a lot of people really loved uh, Loki, yeah. uh, and he is in this, uh, he's in this universe. One, yeah. But there aren't necessarily a lot of great Marvel Cinematic Universe villains. Oh, she's, there's only two villains. It's Loki and her. That's it. Like, I don't know. There ain't nobody else. That's it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess the third villain would be the actual producers themselves <laughs> killing these movies. No, she's up there. She's top five. I don't know exactly uh, where, but top five. Yeah, but you mentioned uh, this is one of your favorite movies of the year so far. It's just fun. Uh, So do you think this is like, this is going to be a breath of fresh air for Thor? Do you think we're going to get more of this kind of Thor movie? I really hope so. I think Guardians really blew it through. Uh, They saw what Deadpool was doing, and it makes me think back to an Ava DuVernay's didn't get the job or, or the creative differences when uh, Edgar Wright didn't get the job because mm-hmm. of the creative differences. And it makes me wonder, after watching Guardians of the Galaxy 2, what the heck did he have in his script that was creatively different? Either right. they were absurd or Marvel learned. And I really think that that's what this movie is. Marvel learned and they decided, you know what? Let's actually let our directors do what they want to do. Yeah, and, and also maybe the stakes are just a little bit different with Thor. I mean, uh, we, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but the first two Thor movies, while they made a lot of money, they were not nearly as successful as this one has 1, been so far. They realized that. You know, it got an A cinema score, so this is a movie that oh, really? people are nice. responding to. Uh, it, you know, it, I think it goes to show you that, like, sometimes it's worth sort of switching it up. If, if your franchise is is not really res- resonating, mm-hmm. you know, you... you Warner Brothers is getting a lot of flack for this with all the reshoots they've done all the, on Justice League and et cetera. But, you know, if 
they think they have a tone that is more in line with what audiences are responding to, I think that's a good thing. I mean, yeah. you don't want to like chop up your movie so it's unrecognizable, <laughs> yeah. but he, he, clearly we're seeing with Thor at least, like Marvel is seeing that like there's room for a little bit more creative expression with one of their more stilted franchises yeah. and, and they pay, it paid off. I love that they did that. If you remember, uh, Thor had a scene in Ultron where he has a vision, didn't go through. The last Thor movie ends with Loki's big twist that he's actually alive. They're like, yeah, forget that storyline. Let's just wrap it up. They, <laughs> they, There was a route he was going to take, and they said, yeah, screw those. They, they said forget all those setups. And the beauty of it, I guess, to wrap it up is that uh, – this isn't spoilers because it's in the trailer. Mm-hmm. It was Chris Hemsworth's idea to cut the hair. Right. The, the trailer shows you that they break his hammer. They take away everything that people thought made up Thor – took it away to tell you that's not what makes Thor a superhero. What makes Thor a superhero is his willingness to save people. I thought that was fantastic. So even within all that improvisation, within all that humor, they show you as the line line says, Asgard is not a place but a people. And that's what Thor is. Thor isn't made up by, by his looks as his muscles, as you would say. Thor is a superhero because he does super things. So, and I loved so it! I- I, I'm I'm excited to catch up with it. I mean, I was somebody who who was ready to just completely write Thor off. Oh, the first Thor. <laughs> I don't care for that. I at don't all. don't care at all. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I love Taika Waititi. I thought Hunt for the Wilder People was great. I love what we do in the shadows. We'll oh, talk a little bit more about that so later. Good. Hint. Uh, but yeah, this this seems like it's completely in line with the type of humor that he is great at. And uh, Hemsworth Hemsworth is a really surprisingly funny really actor. Good. You know, I I wonder how much of the shift. Is also just, you know, they cast him obviously based on you know his physique and his yeah. looks mainly, and then you let him act a little bit, and you realize like this guy is a comedic talent. Like yeah. there's a genuinely great comedic timing there, and why don't you just play into that? So it seems like a smart it's decision. Dope. Yeah, check his interviews. He said the reason he did Vacation Ghostbusters was a demo reel to tell them that he could be funny. That's right, so right. crazy. Uh, yeah, and it's a, it's a smart move. It's going to make his career Genius. much more interesting, I feel like. Yes, sir. Uh, I watched a movie. I, br- I talked about this briefly on the audio-only podcast that we uh, did, which you can check, check it out, out on, on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Check out our SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash intercutpod. Uh, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit more at length here because it is finally coming out in theaters this weekend, although we don't know if it's making its way to you in Chicago, Art. Uh, three billboards hey. outside Ebbing, Missouri. Better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the new film from Martin McDonough, the director of In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths. He also won an Oscar for a short film he did called Six Shooter. Uh, you can probably find that on YouTube, so probably. make sure you check that one out. It's actually very, very good. But uh, he is a really, really wonderful playwright. I've, I've read some of his plays, uh, and he is great at just this really piercing, moralistic dialogue, heavy with vulgarity, yes. that is so funny, but really just actually makes you think, actually makes you consider uh, some life decisions and and the way you want to act in the world. I mean, uh, I think that he's really he's really great at understanding the way that uh, the fact that people wrestle with sort of issues of life and death mm-hmm. and are afraid of it can be funny. Colin Farrell's whole arc in in Bruges, where he's so 
upset with himself for the actions he's done. He mines so much humor out of those uh, somewhat suicidal tendencies he has. And it's, it's really amazing uh, to see the way that he's able to bend some tragic situations into dark comedy. Uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri is a story about a woman whose daughter, uh, this is all trailers, so I'm not going to mm -hmm. do the spoilers right now, uh, a woman whose daughter was raped and killed and the p killer was not found. So she decides as a tactic to get the police to get more interested in the case to rent out three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, uh, and yeah, write a message to uh, the chief of police basically asking why no one has been arrested. Woody Harrelson, this right? Is, uh, yeah, the chief of police is played by Woody Harrelson. The grieving mother is played by Frances McDormand, who is just I mean, she's so, so Pretty good, good actress. Yeah, yeah, decent pretty good actress. actress. I mean, Fargo, you know. Uh, but she, this is maybe my favorite film roles of her. I mean, oh. far, it's hard to beat Fargo, but she is so, that, you know, she became a meme uh, a couple of years ago during the Golden Globes when she just gave the sternest look to the camera. This performance is that for, you know, two hours. Uh -huh. she, she's just this no-nonsense, nonsense, take no shit mother who, who's gone through hell, had an awful experience happen to her family, and is just not going to deal with people's bullshit and hemming and hawing. Uh, you see in the trailers that she's just very direct to the point. She's willing to curse out children in front, even if it gets mm -hmm. her to her answer. And I think the way that the film unfolds, showing that there's not really great people and bad people, but people who are complicated and people who, who get into yeah. the positions that they are uh, because they have forces pulling them in different directions, it, it, it does that really well and, and in a thoughtful way that isn't necessarily going to make everybody leave the theater feeling justified and happy, but it's a really thoughtful movie, and it's going to make people think. It's a movie that has stuck with me since I saw it at the Philadelphia Film Festival, so I'm eager to check it out once it's uh, in theaters available for everybody. How do you compare it against the other two, Psychopaths and uh, In Bruges? Because for me, I saw In Bruges like on a... It was, I think it was on Netflix. I saw it like half asleep, yeah. so I have to give it that proper viewing. <laughs> right. But uh, I love Psych Seven Psychopaths. Seven Psychopaths was one that I picked up like by accident. We were just watching. I was like, what is this? Because to right. me, he's like, and it's funny that she's in this movie. I feel like he's the more modern Coen Brothers. Because Coen Brothers definitely feel very 90s. They have that zaniness mm -hmm. to it. His world is more serious, but it feels, I don't know, to me that there's a Coen-ish... Yeah, well, you get what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Cohen's Cohen's have a very like fatalistic that, view of the that's world. That's what it is, and, and and very they deal with life and death in a way that's very kind of like stripped down and almost and like they laugh at it, yeah. and they laugh at it. Yeah, they it's very dark, and I don't know if their comedies have quite been like that as recently. Like I like Hail Caesar, but it's definitely different in tone than yeah, I don't know what that is. Their '90s, <laughs> but yeah, Mart that's actually a really interesting comparison to compare Martin McDonough to him because I think they do a great job of giving you these kind of slightly off-kilter characters. Maybe they're a little bit not not as smart as, uh, I don't know, or whatever. Not all of them, because a lot of them are whip smart. But he, but treating them all fairly and, and getting their viewpoints across yes. and, and really just exploring, like, what is the what is the meaning of their lives? Like, are these people bad people just because they do some things that are frowned upon? Why are these people in these situations? How do these people interact? And the way that the film handles a lot of things that are tangentially, tangentially related to what we talk about in the news a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
this is sort of a story that mentions police brutality, yeah. talks uh, talks about the ineffectiveness of some police force, but some police forces yet respects the fact that these are earnest cops that are often trying their hardest. Uh, I think the, the Woody Harrelson character is just so interesting here in that he's caught in the middle being the one who sort of is held responsible for not tracking down uh, this the murderer who started this whole mess. Mm-hmm. But he... he does give this really earnest performance and and show that his character is not this evil police chief who's just uh, taking time off on the job, that it's stuff that weighs on him. And yeah. there's big consequences at stake for everybody involved. I love movies that take all of its characters really seriously, give its characters you know thoughtful arcs. There's movies that you see that sometimes are about one person's journey and the people they meet along the way. Martin McDonough gives you movies that are about lots of people. They're mm-hmm. about communities. And I, I love Three Billboards for that reason. It is also in my top three of 2017 so Hot far. Damn. So you put it, uh, like I said, over the other two? Yes. So Ooh. I talked I talked about this with a friend of mine okay. who is a really, really huge In Bruges fan. Mm-hmm. A big Martin McDonough fan in general. And I told him that I I might have to put it above In Bruges. I mean, I love In Bruges. It's hard for me to choose between the two. So that's the way um, you go then. Billboards th- In Bruges seven. Yeah, because I just think there there's something that's a little bit more politically relevant and a little bit more of the moment. Fair enough. Um, in Three Billboards. Now I I'll admit. I could end up changing that opinion maybe two years from now when uh, the no, news cycle changes and stuff no, like that. No, once you watch a movie, it's set like that, don't you exactly. know? Per, uh, I guess have, your opinion now is your, for, your, your opinion, opinion forever. forever. You are not allowed ever. to change it, okay? No matter what you experience. That's why but, we write the reviews right after the credits roll. Exactly. But like, ser- but seriously, just in this moment, uh, you know, we're talk- there's, there's so much going on about yeah. sexual assault in the news and all these women, strong women coming forward. And there's all this stuff about what the police can and can't do, do in situations like this. It just feels perfect for the moment mm-hmm. in, in a way that isn't cheap and, and taking yeah. advantage of it. Like it some just movies came that, at the right time. Yeah, some movies you know? that will age. Like you'll see and you'll be like, oh, so this definitely feels like something that was going on in the 60s and was meant to like fear people yeah. or something like that. There is a because I've seen some of the trailers for it. Uh, I try yeah. as much to avoid them, but they, they pop up so much. There are trailers that have this, and then there are trailers that don't have it. And it's either very well audio cutting, but the line where she's saying they're too busy eating Krispy Kremes and murdering black folks that they can't find my daughter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have the black folks line, sometimes they don't. Is that mm-hmm. in the movie, or is that played in the trailer to be able to, I guess, like you were saying, every time I hear it, the way it comes off. Because I've heard both versions, it feels like, yeah. hey, y'all know what's happening with the police, right? And they're killing black people. So, Come watch this movie. So, I, I'm not gonna say this for sure because I, I've only seen the movie once and okay. I haven't seen every single trailer. What I know what you're talking about, and what I think is weird is I don't think she says Krispy Kreme in the movie. Really? I think she just says donuts. <laughs> I know that's not the question you're no, answering. That's what I'm upset about. <laughs> one, I looked at that. That town has no Krispy Kremes or black people in it. There's no right? one in the cast. <laughs> Um, there, there are a couple black people in the movie. Okay. Uh, I will say that the movie... So I'm pretty sure it's the word is torturing. I don't know if it's different in the trailer. Okay, it's but killing. In, in the movie, I'm pretty sure she uses the word torturing, and that is a plot point. Oh, okay. So, so then it is in not, the movie. 
yeah, it is, it's not just sort of like an angry liberal talking about yeah. all police in America. This is talking about a specific person and a specific incident in the movie. All right, makes sense. Because I, like I said, I've heard both versions and I'm like, why does one have it and one doesn't? Yeah, I, I don't get why they do some of that audio yeah. editing. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure weird. she does not say Krispy Kreme. It's, it's very weird. I don't get it. Krispy Kreme is kind of funny, though. Yeah, funny it is funny. Word. Maybe it's one of those things, like, I don't know if you remember that masterpiece of a movie that came out this year, but we'll see it back in the Oscars. Happy Death Day. Yeah. In the trailer, her ringtone is uh, In the Club by 50 Cent. It's your birthday. Or not, it's, it's your birthday. It's your mm -hmm. birthday. Is it in the... Whatever the 50 Cent song is called. It. Go Shorty. It's your it's birthday. It's your birthday. We're going to part. Yeah. That's not in the movie. It's only in really? the trailer because they couldn't afford it for the movie. They could only afford it for the trailer. So in the movie, it's this annoying ringtone. So I figured maybe it was that. They couldn't afford to say Krispy Kreme's in the movie, but saying Krispy Kreme's in the trailer. In the trailer. Right. It's a whole different financial situation. Could be. <laughs> All right. So uh, we both recommend the movies that we've been watching, mm -hmm. Thor Ragnarok and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I'm sure we'll talk about them more yes, when sir. we each get the chance to see them. Uh, but we move on to Yay or Nay, the segment where we catch up with the latest happenings in the entertainment industry. And we circle back to Thor Ragnarok because Ooh. with an opening weekend haul of $121 That's million, dollars, Thor Ragnarok became the seventh highest grossing opening weekend for a Marvel movie. This is particularly notable because Thor has been one of the least successful of the slew of superhero films from Marvel. The original Thor opened to 65 million, Thor The Dark World opened to 85 million, but this jump between the second and third installments is one of the largest for any movie in the Marvel Cinematic That's Universe. Right. Art, yay or nay, this sudden uptick from the Thor franchise is because of the mostly mostly overtly comedic tone of the trailers and marketing. 1,000%. You already know I'm giving this a yay. Uh, yeah. For those of you who are iffy on it, you may, maybe the trailers aren't doing it for you. They, and this is what I love about it, search up Thor short, I think is what it is. They released like five-minute shorts of like Thor going to school, Thor doing other things, so you can get the comedic Thor styling. Thor with his roommate Steve or something yes, like that? Yes, exactly. Right? And how like he leaves the hammer so he can't be, like things like that. Just go watch that alone. You're going to be like, that's really fun. You're going to want to watch that video again. Then go buy yourself a ticket and go watch it. I think that is definitely, they've been campaigning this hard for a year. One of the biggest things uh, was putting Hulk in it. And I really mm -hmm. wished, I really wished that I was sitting there not having known anything. And I didn't watch the trailer. It wasn't until someone right. just like, yo, Hulk's in the new movie. If I was sitting there and Hulk came out, because it happens halfway through the movie, Hulk comes out, top three. Shoot, <laughs> that would have been an insane secret. No, it's definitely because of the, the 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 shift that they did, and it shows you that it's paying off. Yeah. It's paying off. But we can't get secrets anymore, unfortunately. That's not the uh, climate we live in. Uh, I, I wish that'd be the case. Um, but yeah, no, it's incredible. I, I'm also gonna go yay too. I mean, we talked for Taika, about yes, just for yeah, long. yeah. Like we talked about, Thor has been one of the ones that's least appealing, I think, to most people. Uh, and and when you get you know four or five or six or seven serious superhero movies in a year, you need something to differentiate that. They found a way to differentiate themselves, to even from their own movies. Yes, it's a really smart step, and it's taking advantage of you know uh, Chris Hemsworth's comedic ability. Yes. His, maybe he's found some new audience with his these uh, comedic roles. 
I think it's a it's a really smart move for the franchise, yeah. and it could really help Dude. Thor like last a couple more movies. If you told me after Thor: The Dark World that Thor was gonna get like three more sequels, I I would not believe. Bro, there it. needs to be a, a fourth Thor movie, and it's like Thor's been captured, so they have to go find him, and they do it for Thor. For <laughs> Thor. Never mind, I can't be in the campaign for that. Um, <laughs> I, I got it. I, I will got say, it. like, I got it. I just want you to move on. Uh, no, one thing that I will, I will give them, because they're smart, dude. Supposedly, Infinity Wars is supposed to be, like, the most oppressing thing in the world. So I believe this is just uplifting you until they just completely right. demolish you. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's good to get that variety. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if you ask critics of the superhero movement in Hollywood, like myself, uh, they'd say that a lot of them just feel too similar, that the movies are Formula. just... Yeah, they just kind of feel, like, interchangeable for the most part. But this is the kind of thing that makes them feel less interchangeable. Yep. Uh, this is also Marvel's 17th consecutive number one opening. Uh, and with it, Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe passed 13 billion globally and 5 billion domestically at the box office. It's... You know, it's a huge, huge financial behemoth. It's insane. Do you feel like this is stopping anytime soon, or are we are are we halfway through the Marvel no. streak, or are we just at the start of it? This movie internationally made four hundred something million dollars. Do you remember we were making that big of a deal when Jurassic the, World? Yeah, it was the biggest China opening in November ever, and one of India's largest openings ever, too. Bro, that's practically half a billion in three days. I know <laughs> yeah. it was lo a, a little bit longer in international, but no. They've yet to have a bomb. You just said they're the Mayweather of studios right now. Yeah, no, that's the thing. It's, it's one thing if you happen to have made a lot of money. Like, all the studios have made a lot of money. 17 consecutive number ones. That is, that's... And That's some Beatles-type streaks, you know? The Jay-Z type of streak. <laughs> exactly. And the critic and audience reception to them. They know... There was this great... Uh, I think it was Ruffalo who had mentioned it. He said the, the genius about these guys is that they're so used to getting pat on the back, but they still turn around and say, but how do we make sure we don't mess up? Anyone yeah. else gets the pat on the back and overdoes it to the point that they run their whatever to the ground. They run their mm -hmm. series way too long. The Walking Dead. You know, when they're getting so much praise that they just overdo it or they, they 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 keep doing the same thing over and over again that it eventually they crash totally. this movie shows you that they did not put out a third thor movie that they had already set up to be what could have been a failure they rerouted it and they knew how to fix it even though their last two like you said they went from 60 to 80 this mm -hmm. one would have still done better even if they were giving us the same thing they didn't and now it made a hundred and forty crazy they're smart they're geniuses they're not going anywhere uh taking a quick tonal shift to more serious news the upcoming sixth season of house of cards originally slated to be the series's final one is now in limbo after netflix has suspended kevin spacey from the show following the litany of sexual assault allegations against him allegations which we should mention uh, Spacey has not denied. Mm -hmm. Netflix also canceled plans for an upcoming movie about the author Gore Vidal, which set, was set to star Kevin Spacey. Now speculation has turned to what Netflix will do with its first hit show, if it will continue the okay. show with Robin Wright as the lead role, uh, or if they will c kill off the Frank Underwood character. Uh, Art, I think we agree that Netflix had to take these steps with Kevin Spacey following all the recent news, but are you yay or nay on even getting a sixth season of House of Cards without him? 
I'm loath because I haven't seen House of Cards. That's that one show that I'm waiting in the back burner to just binge. Mm-hmm. That being said, are you are you? Did you like Baby Driver? I, I, we were both kind of mixed on it, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Do you have it's a my f- least favorite of the Edgar Wright ones? Do you? Oh snap! Do you? <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Do you have a favorite Kevin Spacey movie? Usual Suspects. That's, that's exactly what, that's what I was gonna go to. Are you never mm-hmm. gonna watch Usual Suspects again? I I don't think I can't, can't not can't not watch it. I, I I'm going to watch it at some point. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Oh, can I not binge on House of Cards now? Yeah, I mean, well, I guess the difference is like, will they can? Is it about Continue, continuing to that ping? Is, that is an know? excellent question. Yes, because at this point, we now know. Do we encourage him? Right. I don't know the story. And I think putting it on Robin Wright, who is a fantastic actress, also was in, uh, um, I just saw her in something. Blade Runner. Blade Runner, yeah, she was in Blade Runner oh, 2049. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was in Blade Runner 2049. She was in Wonder Woman. Uh, she's having a renaissance. Literally, she's yeah. having a Makana, the, the, the Makana, <laughs> the, what was it called? Makana-sance. Yeah, that happened a couple years ago. That's kind of happening to her right now. Um mm-hmm. I don't know how the story goes. If they had built something up on that, like that, that like it almost like was meant for her to take over, it would be genius. Right. If the writers yeah. are good enough to be able to write it in, where it's like, hey, bits and pieces from before, how we kind of made her just as strong as her. Here you go. Sure. And then she yeah. blows up and it becomes a whole new thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, so there's a bunch of rumors that you know they're they should kill off or they're going to kill off Frank Underwood and nah, all that. That's a little. I. I don't think any of that should happen. I think all of that's a little bit like having get thrown in a train. Yeah, like, look, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not trying to defend Kevin Spacey, but no. I think just, you know, the, to kill off a character is not exactly tasteful. They did that on uh, Two and a Half, and Men? Half Men. Dude, you thought Charlie exactly Sheen what I thought those, of. That was they, dumb. Yeah, it just it just feels weird. It feels kind of wrong, especially like to just move on from that on a show. Yeah. Uh, I would I would much rather they they are just like, you know, he's in jail now or mm-hmm. something like that. But it obviously like makes it hard to I mean, I've also fallen out of watching House of Cards. I'm, I'm not up to date, so I don't know dramatically how much sense it makes to yeah. continue the show without him. But uh, in terms of you know, stylistically or technically or whatever, I I feel like that's okay, you know, you've seen uh what is it? The Good Wife ended and became the Good Fight on CBS with some of the characters returning. For and real? You know, yeah. Uh, and if you if you th- I mean the show is still generating talk. Uh, you know, even though there's a lot of people who talk about House of Cards having gotten much worse, there's some people who say it got a lot better this year, and uh, that Robin Wright is really the main focus of the show anyway. Okay, so, so there you go. Maybe I'm, I'm cool not against the show coming back. I I am against them doing something that doesn't make dramatic sense just to satisfy bloodlust for a bad person. Exactly. So then that brings a really good question, which I believe you kind of answered it there, and I think you agree kind of on my side. Don't ruin art because of, you know, what somebody did. It's still art in and of itself. So then that means that we're separating it. Mm -hmm. So I guess if we go back a bit, you're watching. Frank Underwood is supposed to. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, go with that. Uh, I'll I'll go off what you're saying. Frank Underwood is supposed to be a bit of a despicable character, but I still think... He kills a dog the first time you meet him, yeah. I think it's still just like a... It ruins your show a little bit if you just 
all of a sudden decide, oh, let's kill him off because we don't like the actor. Yeah. You know, whenever whenever you get uh, real world stuff that kind of blends into the material, and we, we, it, we talked about you know, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, like there's that thing with Game of Thrones where um, I think it's Bronn and Cersei used to date, so now they don't want to be in a room together, and like luckily their characters are able to avoid each other. But like you don't want that to oh, negatively really? impact the show. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's like Bronn excuses himself from uh, a scene in the final episode of the seventh season, <laughs> apparently for that reason. Uh, it's it just like that's funny. It, yeah, it, but like you know when they can do it in a way that is organic, that's cool. Because I, I, I would have never noticed that. Yeah, that's just funny. yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to have you know if i liked house of cards mm -hmm. i wouldn't want the show to ruin itself just to satisfy an anger at kevin Spacey. i agree with you 1000 let me bring up a little controversy some some hot some hot stuff right now hot takes. Right? if they can take a little oh this is a hot take right here cool i'm not gonna play apologetics you know what i'm saying you know right. like when someone says well you ever thought that hitler maybe hey yeah that's <laughs> yeah, Hitler yeah, yeah. you're talking about no arguing that hitler right a good right person. right i'm not saying he's a he he Kevin Spacey did something very, very wrong, and I'm not. And I feel like House of, uh, more uh, than once, ma Master of None. Uh, is it condoning? Condoning means I'm for it, or condoning means I'm against it. Condoning is for it. Okay, well, so I'm not, you're not condoning. I don't know. Condoning feels like I'm condemning. I guess that's why I always confuse it for that. There you go. You're what condemning. he did was bad. He did it once, twice. I, I don't know. I've only followed maybe, maybe a few more than that. I, exactly. I, I know so, of. Four, I think, accusations. Four. Okay, this completely blows everything else I said. I was going to say that if he did it once on a drunk night, obviously it doesn't excuse it because he's drunk, because then that shows you, uh, as The weekend says, he're, he's truly himself when he's not sober, <laughs> right. right? That's what we do. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things, like, if he changed, and this was, like, what, 70s, 80s, and he hasn't done it, yeah. are we really going to go back to that mistake? Anyone who's throwing a pebble can then be found, oh, well, you didn't do something at work, or you did, did something with your family, and you'd be like, oh, well, when I'm put in the spotlight, it's really awkward. Obviously, what he did was wrong. The one case right. that I read about the, the kid, the 14-year-old, when he pinned him down, it didn't go all the way. It doesn't change what I'm saying. It doesn't yeah, change yeah. it being wrong. It, 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 we get in this weird... Sorry to interrupt you. I think we get in this weird sort of middle ground where... We are you know higher I mean? and well, mightier? <laughs> yeah, well, definitely that. We, we sort of talk about having this justice system that's supposed to rehabilitate and cure people, that people are supposed to serve their time and come out better for it. And then when people don't get subjected to the justice system, we don't grant them the opportunity to grow and get and better. And forgiveness, yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just one of those things that makes me think because of all the movies that he's made, of all the people who he's influenced, and, and the biggest thing is... This one's interesting because we usually talk about directors. Mm -hmm. That's the director's vision. Right. He's an actor, sometimes a side supporting actor. People said they don't want to watch Baby Driver, their favorite right. movie of the year because he's in it. Yeah. And has kind of a creepy relationship with uh, Ansel Elgort in retrospect. Yes. With that movie, okay, yeah, no, that's kind of jacked up. No, I, I, I'm a big person on that. It's kind of difficult to see it, but you get what I'm getting at? Yeah, no, He's no, I He's hurting movies like, that aren't I, even his. I know, I, I, and I, that's the thing that kind of sucks is, you know, like, I like a lot of Woody Allen movies, and I don't like to carry that baggage going into mm -hmm. it. You know, I think a lot of times you just have to sort of separate intent from from uh, action and also okay. you have to but also you have to consider like what are the consequences of your action mm -hmm. uh, you know I, I have a friend who was arguing with who was saying that because he didn't pay to go see the new Woody Allen movie uh, he's not 
you know, contributing to it, but no, he's on social media about. posting all about the new movie, which yeah, is exactly yeah. why he got into it for free. Bro, what... <laughs> someone said that to me about the Jeepers Creepers movie. They said, I, I watched it on YouTube, so it's not the same. Yeah, I'm so like, I, I'm, I'm free. I'm cool. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's all complicated. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts. Or yeah, yell at that, us. Please. Yeah, yell at us. Tell us where we're wrong. We are people who mm-hmm. un- can grow and learn. I hope. Uh, <laughs> earlier this year, Amazon chief Jeff Bezos indicated he wanted the company's television department to pursue some bigger, more widely appealing projects. Be Netflix, now, rumor, yeah. now rumors are, atta- are attaching Bezos and Amazon to the widely beloved Tolkien series Lord of the Rings. As reported in Variety, Bezos himself, who is a big fan of sci-fi, is personally involved in negotiations to bring Middle Earth to an epic new Amazon show art. Yay or nay on returning to Middle of the Earth with Amazon. Middle of the Earth. Returning to Middle Earth. <laughs> yes, journey to the center of the Earth with yeah. The Rock and uh, Bilbo. Uh, nerds will be mad at me. Uh, <laughs> is this based off of token material? Uh, I think it's supposed to be Brand the new? series. No, no, no. I think it's supposed to be like Lord of the Rings, the like the movies, but... A show. Oh, no. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Maybe. May. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the movies are long enough that you could have like two yeah. seasons of that. That's the thing. But what, or what are they going to do? A season per movie? They can also extend that. Yeah. How much walking do I want to see? How much stretch out is it going to be? How big is their budget going to be? Mm-hmm. With it being a TV show, with it being on Amazon. I mean, it sounds really cool. Yeah. But at the same time, those movies still hold up. What? Those movies yeah. still hold up. I mean, we're, we're getting, we're, we'll actually talk about a similar subject yes. a little bit later in the show, but this is something that's happening more and more and more is the remaking of things that are still kind of new. Uh, it's not like The Lord of the Rings is some old black and white no. trilogy. Like, this is this millennium. We're trying to catch up happen. with the effects from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. A lot of TV still doesn't look as visually compelling no. as those Lord of the Rings movies. Come on, 2001. <laughs> what? A- Am- Amazon, Amazon does have, like, way too much money. They don't so know what to do with it. I, I'm sure that whatever investment they would make, it would be a huge one on the scale of Game of Thrones to make it all look oh. amazing. But to me, this kind of, like, just reeks of that desperation that a lot of these streaming services have to find their Game of Thrones or to find their... Uh, Westworld or whatever the huge huge show is going to be be you know obviously there's going to be a lot of interest generated in this but I don't know if this is necessarily uh I, I don't know enough about it to feel like there know if there's a fresh take in there yeah. you know no, I, I definitely don't want to see a uh, chopped up version of the Peter Jackson it's movies dumb. And I don't know if there's something else you can do with that material maybe it's but not. it's if it's it, not for me at if least If it's new sure and I, I do know that Amazon has their own, like, TV stuff. They mm-hmm. don't have a Stranger Things. They have their Mozart in the Jungle, whatever else that they have. That's cool. They don't have a Stranger Things. They don't have a House yeah. of Cards. They don't have what Netflix has. What they do have that Netflix doesn't, okay, and this is what they should be focusing on. You know what it is. Oscar nominations, all right? Focus nope. on that. Different kind. I, I did the money sign, but it's a different kind of thing. Oh, well, no, yeah, they also have money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Statues, statues. Uh, you get they, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and they produce quality material. No, they produce. They produce. 
beyond beyond some... Oscars, they got Emmys. Transparent is like oh, the so they big... do. I guess they do have that show, but it's still not like a stranger but it's still... thing. Yeah, no, 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 no. Like straight, uh, Transparent is one of those like very art house kind of shows. Yes. you know, it's, it's like The Handmaid's Tale when it won. Exactly, like it's, it's a cool thing for Hulu, but it's not there it's yet. It's pretty well known, but yeah, it's it's definitely not on the yeah, level. Stranger of, Things of is a phenomenon. Game of Thrones or yeah, Stranger World. Exactly. Stranger Things, yeah. Stranger World. So, Stranger World coming soon to Crackle. <laughs> Stranger Danger World. But you get um, what I mean. I really think that they absolutely. should focus on movies and not extending shows. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, they've done really well in producing quality material. Like really good. I stuff. feel like if they stay on that path, it's just a matter of time until they hit at a big show. You know, I, yes. th- I don't think Netflix made Stranger Things anticipating it would be this kind no, of No, they really did not, no. <laughs> you know, they just produced it because they're just like, oh, this might be a cool thing and these people have this vision and it, you know, blew up. So I think, mm. I think the strategy shouldn't be pursuing these huge properties uh, and just going at them again and again and mm. again, although, you know, box office results might dispute me yeah. there. I think the strategy should be just investing in visions and seeing which one kicks off, you know? Intimate Start- stuff. Yeah, Netflix yeah, has but, their intimate shows. You had your intimate Manchester Big Sick. Go for that. Go for yeah. that. Uh, our last big yay or nay for the day is about the Lion King cast. The cast for the remake yeah, live action yeah, thingy yeah, yeah. with John Favreau at the helm. Uh, we've talked about it in the past because Donald Glover was announced as the adult Simba, James Earl Jones as the adult Mufasa, a uh, whole bunch of exciting stuff, including John Oliver, Seth Rogen. Billy Eichner, all in smaller roles. Uh, but now Disney has unveiled a fuller rendering of the, of the cast. Uh, they've revealed who will be playing the hyenas, who will be playing the young Simba and Nala. But the thing that the internet took notice to is that Beyonce is set to play Nala. Uh, Art, oh. are you yay or nay on most of this cast? And specifically, are you yay or nay on Beyonce as the adult Nala who must return Simba to take the throne back. This makes me think it's a musical. This Yeah. Re- yeah. So I mean, that's it definitely I'm a little seems iffy that way. It. Very iffy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so they had songs in the original Lion King, so it doesn't yeah, seem yeah, like yeah, they yeah, would. Yeah, no doubt. And just like the Lion, uh, or what was it, the Jungle Book, uh, that remake also did do some of the songs. But it didn't feel like a musical. It just like felt like it just came in. You yeah, well, cannot maybe, have maybe Beyonce in a song and not have it be a song. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that. It, it definitely feels like they wouldn't... I mean, personally, if I'm casting a movie, I don't go to Beyonce unless singing is one of the most important things she has to do. She was the biggest part of the first uh, trailer just came out. Uh, Bondage, BDSN, Chains. Oh, uh, the Fifty Shades. Fifty Shades, she was the biggest part of that. And it was literally just her recycling a song. Yeah, <laughs> the Pink Panther and Obsessed. Those are like the and and one of the Austin Powers movies. That's like the three times that I remember her one. acting. None of it builds up to something that I'm like, yes, please. Yeah, no, she's Voice always acting? overshadowed. She's always overshadowed in movies. I'm thinking about like Dream Girls, even where a lot of people were hoping, oh, this could be her no. Oscar chance, and that just became Jennifer Hudson's vehicle. Yeah. Uh, good, you know. I don't think she's necessarily the worst actress, but no. I, she doesn't necessarily inspire a lot of excitement. That's that a big said, role. Like, but but that being said, like, the, I feel like I feel like what you get from Beyonce is what you need from Nala. Like, I'm just looking to the original movie, and it's not like Nala is this like 
Adult Nala particularly is this like super peppy, excitable, like hilarious yeah, comedic yeah. presence. It's just like a, it's a yeah, smaller yeah. like yeah. comforting role from a sort of sultry maybe. <laughs> so you want Nala going all up in Simba's face, putting? Are you gonna put yeah. a ring on it with her paw just going like that? That's what you want. That's what we're yeah, gonna exactly. watch two hours of it. <laughs> Uh, uh, it has turned a lot of great memes loose onto the internet, so uh-huh. that's been good. Um, aside from Beyonce, anybody in the the recently revealed cast exciting to you? Um, you know, I, just I mean, keep... for for you, I, for for me, I'm I'm excited that uh, Eric Andre and Key from Key and Peele yeah. are both cast as hyenas. That that's should funny. be fun. That's funny. Yeah, I just care about Donald Glover. That's it. I just <laughs> I support him. How about Chewie, my man Chewie Ejiofor as Scar? That's pretty awesome. Ooh. Yeah. Where has he been? What, 12 that years? Doctor Strange movie? 12 years are gone. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the after credits of that. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into some quick takes on the news in Rough Cuts, the segment where we just quickly right, go quickly. through news stories that don't, don't need that much time. Ben Affleck joins Kevin Smith in saying that he will join... He will send his residual earnings from Weinstein Company movies to charitable causes. Art, yay or nay on this move? Yay, that's like super cool because they're going to keep getting those for the rest of their life. That means that they're going to be women who will be able to get those. Yeah, and exactly. If, if all these people are in a situation to be making money off of movies. They've already yes. made a lot of money off of it. Like, spread the wealth around to causes no, that need the support. It's really good. Like, that's the perfect uh, response to this. While on his press tour for the recently released Thor Ragnarok movie, director Taika Waititi revealed he has a desire to make a follow-up movie to What We Do in the Shadows. Yes, I know uh, about Although this. he doesn't expect it to be anytime soon, he said he would like the movie to focus on the polite werewolves, i.e. we're werewolves, not swearwolves, uh, from the first movie. Art, yay or nay on more What We Do Bro, in the Shadows. Don't, don't ask me this redundant question. Did you hear what the title is supposed to be? Oh, well, I actually didn't. <laughs> we're wolves, as in we're uh, wolves. One thousand percent. Totally. One thousand percent. The original pitch for Stranger Things was a limited series planning to kill off the character of Eleven at the end of the first season. Uh, Duffer Brothers explained this while they're doing some press recently that apparently the the idea of limited series were very hot at the time. There were yeah. a lot of limited yeah. series Night that were getting a lot of press, yeah. uh, and they thought that this would be an excellent l- approach to that angle, and then Netflix essentially was like, uh, but what about more? Art, are you yay or nay on the idea of Stranger Things as a limited series instead of the multi-season show we're now getting i'm about to say no because i did like the second season more than the first so mm-hmm. i would have it would have been on the hype and i'd be like eh. uh so no i'm cool that it extended i again the question is let's hope that they don't crash and burn but yeah it does seem like she was supposed to die the first yeah i mean like it they definitely did not seem to change the plot much uh even though that she even though she survives into season two i i'm definitely uh, in favor of the show having lasted more yeah. than its original first season, even though, uh, unlike you, I thought the second season was worse. I still think You're it's wrong, a fun hey. world to be in, uh, and I'd like to explore that more world a little bit more. I think it's a fun uh, angle that the Duffer Brothers, brothers yeah. have on young kids and stuff. Uh, Mark Wahlberg has apparently <laughs> admitted to regretting his role in the Paul Thomas Anderson classic, Boogie Nights, stating that God wouldn't have liked that film. Art. Aren't you yay or nay on God's cinematic taste? <laughs> if, if God's cinematic taste or God's not one, God's not dead one, God's not dead two, and God's not dead three, did you know that's coming out? 
It's called oh. God's Not Dead, I think, A Light in the Dark or something like that. God's still not dead, He's you guys. He's still not dead. Listen, I'm a spiritual person myself. I believe in a higher being, all that good stuff. This doesn't make any sense to me, considering the fact that I'm just going to go off some of the things that he has here. Uh, tattoo? Supposedly <laughs> God's okay with that. Nice. Supposedly God's okay with Entourage. Supposedly God's mm -hmm. okay with The Gambler. Broken City. Mm. Pain and Gain, where you portrayed the person who killed real people, family members who are still alive, and they saw you make a lot of money, and I don't think it went yeah. to them. I, I'm a little confused by that. Yeah, um, I also he, wish he would apologize to, the, to God for the happening, but it doesn't seem like that's on his agenda either. You gotta apologize to no. the devil too for that one. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I think this is a really weird story, and it also goes into some of the weird ways that we respond to sex in movies versus yes. violence in movies. Brought it up. Like, I think it's because he's Catholic. He, Catholics are very yeah. big on that. Swearing, violence, all that is nowhere near sex, which is really weird considering the scandals that they're known for. Right? I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Is Maybe we, that's why. Treat... Projection! Yeah, yeah. It, it, you, you project your issues onto people and you treat it and it, you blow certain Highlight things out of proportion. Them, yeah. it, I think it reveals a lot about that line of thinking. Um, I wouldn't regret Boogie Nights if I was involved in that mm -hmm. movie in any way. It's not like he actually showed his real junk in that movie. That's a prosthetic. So, it, it, look, it's a classic. Paul Thomas Anderson is one of the greatest, greatest directors working today. Mm -hmm. It's weird to disassociate, disassociate yourself from a movie like that. But uh, Burt Reynolds has too, apparently, for some reason. He didn't like working on that movie. So, oh, a lot yeah, of great he didn't actors. Like, uh, he didn't like the director. He didn't like uh, Anderson. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of great actors, for some reason, don't want to associate themselves yeah, with Boogie with Nights. a movie that kind of jump-started their career. Sure, okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, and our last bit of rough cuts is that Fifty Shades Freed, the third and final installment in everybody's favorite BDSM trilogy, the Fifty Shades of Grey series, has dropped its trailer. Art, I know you haven't watched it. Have you watched it? No. <laughs> I know you haven't watched it. How hard are you going to avoid watching anything Bro, I'm, related I'm to this? I'm telling you this. I am waiting for this one to come out on Blu-ray. I'm going to buy the pack. I'm going to get super wasted and just watch all three for the first time. Just like just like that. <laughs> I'm going to offer it just... to my church's youth group. I'm going to say, y'all want to, I, I, got, I got something for you guys to watch. Tell them it's got, I got a special screening of Guys Not Dead 3. And then boom. I'm just talking about, no, it's about like freedom. Swap them out. Freedom. Yeah. Breaking perfect. the chains. The God's not, that's what you do is you've got to gift people the God's Not Dead trilogy and just swap out mm -hmm. all the discs because it's three for three now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, I'm not watching this. <laughs> yeah. Big pass not for, for me, me too. Not I, for me. I actually, I saw the first movie just out of morbid curiosity and like, it's just not really that good. Mm. There was like a good scene in it. I'll give it that. Uh, not really anything else. Anyway, we move on to our topic of the week. And this week, with Murder on the Orient Express, the Kenneth Branagh remake set to hit theaters soon, uh, we wanted to address why remakes are better. Yes. A lot of the time, we are getting these new remakes, these reboots, these revisitings from Hollywood, and they are breathing new life into a lot of stories that we think we know uh, in ways that are really exciting. So Art and I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what it was, what it is to us that makes remakes so exciting, why they often can be so good. I have a video that I did for movietickets.com uh, in defense of remakes, which I will link to in the description mm -hmm. down below. And Art has an upcoming video on the subject as well. So uh, check that description for that link too. But let's start out by saying we're, yeah. not, we're not crazy. There are obviously some films that are worse when they remake them. We're talking 
generally that there are a lot of good ones out there and it's worth getting excited about. Yeah. No, statistically, we're not, we're not dumb. It's, that's why everyone's always about, oh, the, uh, the original is always better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's my thing with that. Murder on the Oriented Express is coming out, and uh, I, I know some people may really, really love the first one, right? Lion mm-hmm. King, there's a, the remake, we were just talking about it, it's coming out. Maybe it's great, maybe it's not. If it's great, now a new generation of people know about this story. If it's not, then it goes away like all the other ones that we were complaining about, but you want to know what stays? The original. <sighs> it's still there. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things, no. and, and, and I'll be the first to admit it. I was, a, yeah, no, it's not the same. No, I, and then I changed my mind. I grew up and I realized, no, you're right. right. The original's still there. Yeah, I mean, the thing about this is that when you give a new voice the chance to attack material that's already been attacked before, yeah. you, you have the opportunity to potentially see it in a new light. Most definitely. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you'll get a great movie out of it, but a lot of the times you do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to, just to think about it a little bit more broadly than a lot of people do, uh, you look at some of the great teen comedies of the last 20 years, uh, like 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, there's another one that's... Um, or uh, I know She's the Man is on this list, oh, she's too. Oh, She's the Man's fantastic, yeah. I'm, I'm, for, I'm forgetting. These are adaptations of Shakespeare plays. Uh, and and you much. wouldn't know it. Clueless just by is, uh, wa- you know, uh, Clueless. That's the one I wasn't yeah. thinking about. Clueless. That's the uh, I forget which one it is. It's not Shakespeare, is it? but it's the Pride and Prejudice. Like Jane Austen. It's based off of yeah, Jane yeah, yeah, Austen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, yeah, you don't even realize and, that, but that's cool. And it's great. And it's great because it modernizes these stories and it puts them into a new context mm-hmm. that both speaks to modern day and back then. Like when you can you can take a movie. Uh, and upgrade it so that technology plays more of a role in it. It's really yeah. cool to see the ways that our, our changing world can impact a story. Mm-hmm. So, so I think about, uh, you know, I think about some movies that actually were improved um, by the remakes and how, how adding adding new context to them makes them in- exciting. I mean, I, you know, uh, I think The Departed was maybe the first 1, movie that was award one best picture yeah. uh, despite being a remake. And that's a movie that is so has so much novel stuff there. The use of cell phones is so specific to that time. Yes. And it, it's such a great moment within that movie uh, that we wouldn't get had the movie not been adapted from its original, mm-hmm. I th- believe it was uh, Korean, uh, setting yes. and taken into the the setting of the in, Boston crime world. Infernal Affairs. I want to yeah. say is what the, the thing was called. No, I agree one thousand percent for you. There, there's three things I want to break them down. The first one is story, like you mentioned. Sometimes people adapt the story uh, in order for it to fit the certain demographic that we have mm-hmm. here. Right? We don't realize how many times our stuff gets readapted in Bollywood, gets readapted in the Asian market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they want that, right? Because sometimes you don't just want to see something dubbed. A lot of stuff is coming from us, right? Same mm-hmm. thing. You know, you and I would agree. One of the best examples I can bring up is The Secret in Their Eyes. A big, a big huge part is how that takes place in Argentina and soccer mm-hmm. is a big part of it. They tried to adapt that to the American it version. Really and it was like baseball instead. But the truth was is that while Mets fans, I know you Mets fans are like, you love your Mets, it wasn't the same as it, as, as that connection that was uh, with soccer in Argentina. Like that mm-hmm. really defined it. So it felt a little stale. That being said, the party was a perfect reason because it took advantage of that Irishness in Boston. And it, it knew how to substitute it and do it well. And that's the difference mm-hmm. between a bad remake and a good remake. 
right? Uh, just looking at some other things here, I think about the thing, the fly. Yeah, yeah. You were talking just... about technology and how it does it better. Um, Scarface, the Scarface everyone thinks about is the say hello to my little friend Al Pacino. That's not the original Scarface. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's not even, <laughs> I'm gonna say it, it's a cheesy movie that it became a culture inducing thing. And that's where I get to the next thing about culture. Uh, you need to be able to bring something back uh, if you're remaking it to be able to fit a culture. Like I said, many times we watch foreign films. We don't get it because we're not a part of that culture. So it mm-hmm. makes sense to remake it for us. I think about The Ring. The first Ring's not, it's a good movie. The first Ring is a good movie. I think about that vampire movie with the little kids. Uh, uh, Let the Right One In, which became Let Me In. They're both really good movies for two different reasons. Yeah, they feel different. They feel they different. They feel very different. Because they take place in different in, in different places. You know, th- th- that makes sense to me. You can even see adaptations within ourselves, uh, within, like, I guess the, the, the same language uh, here in America. You would have things like, uh, I think of something simple just as The Wizard of Oz compared to The Wiz. They're right, both right. in English, but one is for a particular set of people who want to ad- identify with it better because they can't identify with the other one. Um, mm-hmm. I have something else. Let me think about it as you, you say your Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the thing that ends up happening is that we, we kind of get angry at movies that change it, yes. what we loved about an original. And, and that's I'll say fine, but it's like, it, it, first of all, you have to recognize the fact that nothing it's is not changing your, about the movie yeah, you also, loved. Yeah. That movie's there. It's, there. it's, it's going to be there printed. always. <laughs> this is a chance to perhaps like expand or change or or find something new there. You know, there's a lot of people that were upset about the Ghostbusters reboot, but there's a lot of little girls who like really, really love that movie. Saw it and more they influenced. will grow. Yeah, they it became those were their Halloween costumes and stuff. And you know that movie, revisiting a kids movie when you're not a kid, maybe that movie's not for you. That's one thousand percent true. <laughs> That's why I don't you know, want to do. That. That's why I'm scared. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there, and it's interesting to see the way that it can be adapted to to new material, the way that it can be apt- adapted to new settings, and I think we should be a little bit more encouraging of that, mm-hmm. and a little bit less restrictive on no things have to be exactly as they were, you know, not allow for freedom. I think we all were excited about the possibility of. Uh, an expanded Star Wars universe with a bunch Part of stories of that eggs. took place yes. in between, and, and the the more that it Happens. seems to all, the more that it seems to all be the same thing, the less exciting it is. We want to see eggs. new, new versions things, of it. but that's what we're arguing about when someone changes. Or, yeah, it, it becomes contradictory. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, risks have to happen, and I, I don't think it's a bad thing. Even when a remake comes out, like the Flatliners remake came out, <laughs> trash. Uh, yeah. I think of uh, whenever they try to bring something back and it's like, oh, that's garbage. Uh, Jigsaw, trying to bring yeah. it back. Trash. One thing, though, it makes me – you. I don't know if you do this like I do. I binge everything. Mm-hmm. Every time a new Star Wars movie comes out, I know yeah. all the people who binge it. like, bro, you just binged it. Like, bro, 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 you just saw it last week. It's like, yeah, but the yeah, new Star people- Wars is coming. I got to go get it. Exactly. There's people who are now doing their uh, annual Star Wars it's, rewatch because they you have, have a reason to. to. You have to. But like yeah. things like when, when Jigsaw is coming out, try to go get it at the library, all checked out. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying to think of like what other other franchises, when, when, the, when they come back, you, you try to go check it out. Oh, when, the, uh, when Indiana Jones came out, everyone was watching the older Indiana Jones movies. They were even playing them in theaters. When yeah, the Jurassic, same thing with all the new Marvel, Marvel movies. Marvel too, movies, Jurassic like World. Or let's go back to... More attention. So... Thinking about movies that have sort of been remakes this year, 
you have Spider-Man Homecoming, which again, it's sort of a remake, sort of a not. It's yeah. a revisiting of the Spider-Man origin stories. You look at the 2002 Sam Raimi film, and that much that movie is much more about mm -hmm. balancing the superhero aspect of your life with the real person aspect of your life. Yeah. And the superhero movies have moved so far beyond that, that to revisit Spider-Man, now we can get a lot more exciting context for that movie. Yeah. How, how does Spider-Man function as a teenager within a larger a scope of all these well. superheroes out there? And yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, it, it lets people bring fresh new visions in. Mm -hmm. Like you, you don't have, we talked about Thor so much earlier in this. Yeah. Thor's not a re Thor's not a remake, but it is basically one. Cause exactly. it's taking a fresh new look at what that franchise is and, and throwing out the rules that were there before giving audiences a, a different look, look into this character. Fast and Furious, look what they did starting with the fifth one. You know what I mean? It's like they, they mm -hmm. people know how to, there, there is in a sense, a, if it's not a remake, it's a makeover that they yeah, do for so that, things. That's an interesting point because there's been a lot more of these, I, I'll go with your word, makeovers in Hollywood recently, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, the new Beauty and the Beast or and all these, you know, live adapting Disney cartoons yeah. to live action, or as you mentioned with Fast and the Furious, how that franchise kind of shifted gears at some point yeah. from being one kind of movie to much more of a gang yeah, yeah, heist style. Like, yeah. uh, so what do you think it is about this makeover trend that we're seeing more of those and less of the traditional reboot the way we got with Spider-Man to Amazing Spider-Man? Yeah. Uh, to me, it's the studios finally listening to the people. Mm -hmm. In Fast and Furious, they took what people liked the most, and even and and they saw what was trending, and they said, "Let's test this out," and it kind of worked. So then they yeah. went with the fifth, and then they kept pushing it. And they're not dumb because they still keep what's authentic to it. Every single Fast and Furious movie has that girl coming out, dropping the things for the race. They all have that, mm -hmm. right? Um, I want to say with uh, I just had another franchise in my mind. But it's pretty much just that idea, or, or Thor would have been the perfect thing, right? You still keep the references to the universe, you just change mm -hmm. up the style. Yeah. No, I think I think Spider-Man is also a really good example of this in that uh, the, the we've now gotten three Spider-Man origin movies. And the like, third one wasn't millennium. really an origin. This, the they third knew. one, they don't show you the spider bite, they don't Good. show you Uncle Ben's death, they're things that are mentioned just in passing, but you're launched into it. He is already Spider-Man, let's they go, let's do this already, you, yes. we know it. They understand and, and, you. Exactly. And these makeovers are, are adapting to the modern aesthetic. Mm -hmm. uh, let's, let's think of even uh, an older uh, remake. Go from Ocean's Eleven to the hey, that's right. Soderbergh Ocean's Eleven. So the Ocean's Eleven kind of set the template for heist movies of that era, but it's not so different from, you know, Italian Job or whatever yeah. uh, of those heist movies, Bank Job. It, it, it has a lot of shared DNA because there's, there are staples of the heist genre that have been enabled uh, through filmmaking advances that weren't around when they made the yeah. original Ocean's Eleven. So just by taking this older, or Scarface might even be a, a better example mm. of this, by taking this older story and bringing it to a time where we have a more explosive uh, on-screen dynamic. Hey, Dawn of the Dead. Depict. What's his name? Yeah. Dawn of the, is it Snyder's Dawn of the Dead? I think it's a pretty dope movie. Yeah, yeah. And, and I look, you know, some people trash on the Peter Jackson King Kong, <laughs> but, you know, the, the CGI in that the movie Reaper, is Yeah, really, it caused really, waves. Sometimes you don't yeah. realize what that remake is doing, but it is causing something. Yeah, and I think it's worth like you know to to hold up Peter Jackson's King Kong mm -hmm. 
against the 1930s version is just such a wonderful way to see how the world of film has advanced. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's the best part about remakes is it gives you context for like, well, why can't they do this now? What's different? And, and what's special about movies that were made then that made them like that? I think uh, a remake can really teach you a lot and this is something that we continually return to on the intercut yeah. movies are great when they give you stuff to think about if mm -hmm. you can leave the theater and have things on your mind uh, that is something that is worth your time so remakes just come with all this extra baggage that is really fun to think about and, and put into context that I I think sometimes gets discounted because people get upset that things aren't exactly like they remembered them I agree with you like we talked about it sometimes remakes are made to be able to better fit your culture remakes are made as a continuation even if it's mm -hmm. the makeover is not a remake uh, it's made to be able to tell a better story sometimes update it and sometimes we don't realize what things are remakes or not fistful of dollars is one of my favorite I love the whole no-name trilogy from uh, Clint Eastwood and mm -hmm. technically that's a remake right um, but we go back to the thing that's been probably remade the most times and you don't even realize it from the magnificent seven to your favorite Star Wars franchise and that goes way back not only to uh, Seven Samurai um, but to Shakespeare right yeah and and you know you can look at so many stories that are adaptations of Bible stories or adaptations of Greek mm -hmm. uh, mythology and and of Homer oh, and all superheroes are just literally some of them are Greek gods <laughs> literally Greek God. But yeah, I think as you were saying, and you even mentioned this earlier on in the in the podcast when you were talking about uh, billboards, the the three mm -hmm. billboards movie, timing I think is the most important, one of the most important parts. Obviously, the story is, but timing truly is. Is it the time to show it? Is it not? Yeah. Right. No, and, Does and it I, fit with the culture that you're trying to bring it in? And I feel that that timing brings in the culture side of it, brings in the story side of it. Are you doing it to advance technology because you can now tell a better story? Like, what is it that can do it? Absolutely. Um, I think we covered a lot of the reasons why it's exciting to have this stream of uh, remakes and reboots and makeovers and whatever you want to call them. Uh, but we want to know your thoughts on these movies. What are some of your favorites? What are some of your least favorites? Dark what night. do you think about the trend? Let us know in the comments down below. But we move on to our last big segment of the week. It's the new to see where we let you know what's new in theaters on demand and elsewhere, starting with What's coming out in theaters this weekend? We mentioned it briefly in Top of the, of the mm -hmm. Week. Murder on the Orient Express. This is directed and starring Kenneth Branagh with Penelope Cruz, Willem Dafoe, Judi Dench, a whole laundry list of Stacked. famous actors. Uh, Art, did you get a chance to see this one yet? No, I got my tickets for this Thursday. Nice. So uh, check back with us. Follow us on our social medias, and you can hopefully hear Art's opinion on that one. I'm curious about it, too. Also in theaters this weekend, Daddy's Home 2. This is the sequel to the uh, Mark Wahlberg, Will Ferrell movie. Yet another movie that w Mark Wahlberg does not regret. No, no. Uh, God is a fan of Daddy's Home. Yes. Uh, but Daddy's Home 2 brings... John Lithgow and Mel Gibson yeah. into the series. Uh, this one I'll probably be skipping. I don't know about you. Because Mel Gibson hates the Jews. Is that what it is? It's part to. of it. But also I don't think it looks funny. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's not funny at all. But if I saw yeah. Bad Mom's Christmas, I might just see this. Just like, you know, I want to go out, have a couple of drinks. Might as well just do it at one of those movie theaters that has a bar with it. Have something right. playing in the back. Right. 
Uh, as I mentioned, three billboards outside Edding, Missouri that's gets its limited release this weekend. Uh, yeah, that's among my favorites of the year. Definitely make sure you see it if it's in a theater near you. And also, uh, Thelma, the new film from Joaquin Trier, is out in theaters this weekend. It is a mystery romance about a woman who falls in love only to discover she has fantastic powers. Have you heard anything about this one? Absolutely not. No, that sounds insane. Yeah, I've, I've seen some people I know uh, get invited to screenings and stuff like that, and it's been getting some decent to positive reviews, so uh, I'm excited to hear more about it. Joaquin Trier is a... Uh, He's a really good Danish director who okay. made the film Oslo, August 31st, uh, that some people will know about. He also made that movie Louder Than Bombs with Jesse Eisenberg last year. Uh, so, interesting filmmaker out there. New to streaming, November 10th on Netflix, we're getting Lady Dynamite Season 2. That is the Maria Bamford show that is pretty enjoyable. Also on Netflix, November 12th, the movie Long Time Running. And on November 13th, it's a music documentary called Chasing Train, the John Coltrane documentary. Uh, on Hulu, November 11th, we're getting Citizen Jane. On HBO Go on November 11th, the Lego Batman movie. I'm really excited to catch up with that one because I missed it when it was in theaters. Also on HBO on November 13th, it's the uh, movie A United Kingdom. This is a movie oh, that yeah, yeah. came out earlier this year with uh, Roseman Pike. And what's that dude's name? <sighs> he played... Um... You played Martin Luther King. Yeah, now I'm forgetting his name and I feel bad. I wanted Whatever. to say... He's a good actor. Yeah. I was going to say Chortel <laughs> Ejiofer, but I know that's not him. No, different dude. Different African-sounding name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Shudder, the horror streaming service, is getting the Wolf Creek series exclusively on November 9th. Uh, that is, of course, based on the film Wolf Creek. I hear Wolf Creek checked up. you remember up. that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it I is a it, but... horror cult classic. I haven't seen it. I know some people who like it. Horror is not really my thing. Yeah. Uh, but if you haven't seen the movie like me and you are on Shudder... It will be available to watch on Shutter on November 10th. So uh, starting November 10th, you got both the Wolf Creek movie and the Wolf Creek TV show, as well as um, Dead Snow 2 is joining the platform on November 10th. And then Amazon Prime streaming on November 7th, Fifty Shades of Black, the no, Fifty Shades stop. of Grey parody thing. And on November 10th, Allied. Uh, I think that's, that's the decent Brad one. Pitt, yeah. uh, Marion Cotillard film. Beautiful. The one that, She's so gorgeous yeah. in it, yeah. Uh, who directed that one? It was a famous director, right? Yeah, really good famous director. <laughs> What's his name, dude? Uh, First shoot, of all, it was a... uh, David Oyelowo. Oh, thank you, David Oyelowo. Who played who played your boy there, and then directing it was Robert Zemeckis. Yeah, Zemeckis. This is the Zemeckis after he made that uh, Twin Towers tightrope walking movie. I think oh. they were like, ah, nah, man, you gotta, you gotta cut the CGI down a lot. And he made the, this one. The flipping planes in flight. That whole movie was just on a wire. You gotta take it back. Where, where can we give him nothing? Back to World yeah. War Two. Yeah, let's just make a talkie movie, yeah. all right? Um, on VOD, uh, Cars 3, Patty Cakes, Ingrid Goes West, Overdrive, Your Name, all of these movies Dang. and a few others, including the Gas Cat, the Glass Castle, on November seventh, available to rent. Uh, any of those movies you think in particular worth your while? Um, Ingrid Goes West, I think, had some good talking points to it. I, I would see yeah. it more as a rental. Your name? We had a good discussion. Yo, about we had Ingrid a really Goes good discussion. That you can we'll, check that out. Uh, link to down below. Um, your name is a movie. I, th I thought it was enjoyable. People adore this movie. If you're a, yeah. if you're a wheel booth, you love your anime, uh, check that one out. What were the first two? 
that you mentioned? Uh, Patty Cakes, Cars 3, Glass Castle. Uh, Glass Castle is more of a rental. Like, it was fun. It was just too long. Yeah. Cars 3, better than Cars 1 and 2, in my opinion. It's still a Cars movie, but it was pretty decent. Patty Cakes is probably the most intriguing out of the three. I'm not saying it is the best, but it is this plump white girl who wants to be a rapper, <laughs> and her name is Patty Cakes. From New Jersey. From New Jersey. Uh, check it out if you want to. It's interesting. Yeah, it, it got a lot of good reviews on the uh, indie circuit. Yes, uh, I think it debuted at Sundance yes. uh, and earlier I, this the, year the as well. The reason why it sticks out with me is because, one, I was stuck watching it like this close because I barely got in. <laughs> but your boy Peter Dinklage was, was sitting a couple rows behind me because he was oh, a judge shit. watching the movie. So Nice, nice. Yeah, so uh, maybe you'll also get to see... <laughs> Patty Cakes in the company of Peter Dinklage this weekend. I don't know. Chances I are not. I rent it. I turn around. He's there. Like, what the heck? Whoa, Peter. I didn't know you Peter, lived in Chicago you, now. Peter, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, so I also really liked Ingrid Goes West. I think I liked it even a little bit more than you. That's probably my recommendation out of all of these. But uh, all of them are seem decent, except for Cars 3. They're so pretty decent. I'd recommend yeah, yeah, yeah. them all. Uh, and finally, we get to our picks for the week. Art. You uh, just went with Ingrid Goes West earlier. Mm -hmm. Do you want to recommend that for your pick of the week? I'm going to tell you right this. If you want to get out in theaters, there's no other movie but Thor 3 that you need to check out. It's funny. You can bring literally everyone to it. Definitely go check that out. If you want to stay home and you got a little money to spend on a rental, then go ahead and get Ingrid Goes West. I think it's interesting enough and intriguing enough to watch it. If you don't want to spend any money, you don't even have a Netflix account, but you're bumming it off somebody else's, your mom's or your neighbor's, whatever it is, then watch Mindhunter. That's one that I've been getting Ooh. into. I got a couple episodes in. That was pretty intriguing. However, I went back to watch because I thought I was on episode two. Starts me on episode one. Turns out I was watching another show I got confused with called Manhunt. And Mindhunters are two different shows. And but they're, they're both on Netflix? They're, and they're both about, like, FBI people. Like, one's about the Unabomber, and then this one's, like, David Fincher's That's getting so into the psychology of it. They're both, they're both good, yeah. but there is a difference. That's one we actually haven't talked about yet, Mindhunter. We, we'll uh, I'm also... I'm two episodes into that. Maybe we'll uh, get to that on next week's oh, show. Oh, yeah, it's pretty good. It's, it's pretty good. It's a really intriguing show, and we're both big Fincher fans. Yep. So uh, if you got Netflix, that might be worth checking out. Mm -hmm. I am going to follow your lead and say that if you want to stay home, have a nice night. Ingrid Goes West is worth your while. I mean, <laughs> Until the end. It's, it's, it's funny, and it has an interesting take on some of the what's going on with social media right You're going to so watch think... it and be like, you're going to look to the person next to you and be like, that's totally so-and-so. Yes, yes. So uh, I think it's worth, worth your while. But if you can find three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, that is the movie you have to see this weekend. It okay. is excellent, excellent, excellent. You will not regret seeing it. But that is all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, at Zshevich, or on Instagram, also at Zshevich. And check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash show. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me at the A to Z show on the Facebook, on the Instagram, on the Twitter, and of course on YouTube. Uh, I got a lot of stuff that I'm working on there. But if you don't want to talk to me over there because you're like, oh, this guy's boring by himself, then you can always come back and watch us here on the Intercut. Right here on the Intercut, of course. Uh, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut podcast on SoundCloud and now iTunes. Uh, hey, we got on there, woo! Yeah, we, it should show up within the day, finally. within 24 hours. So finally, you, you can subscribe Watch us to on Apple your, Podcasts. Watch us on your iPhone X. 
Just yes. don't drop it because the thing's gonna break. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Is it fragile? I haven't even heard about any of these glass. things recently. Oh. That does not sound fun. Yeah. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel mm -hmm. here at The Intercut. Click that button down below or wherever you find it on your YouTube screen. You can also find new episodes of The Intercut here every Tuesday on YouTube. Uh, we'll be putting them up around noon Eastern, so make mm -hmm. sure to check back around that time. Also like our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram pages. All of them are at Intercut Pod. Yep. Updates throughout the week from us. That's the good stuff. But thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, life is just a movie without the background music. That's true.